Welcome to the Garden Angelist, where we talk about flowers, veggies, and all the best dirt. I'm Dean Ash from Guthrie, Oklahoma. And I'm Carol Michael from Indianapolis, Indiana. We call ourselves Garden Angelists because we are evangelists for gardening. We love gardening and we want others to love it too. Yes, we do. We're also authors and invite you to check out our books, including my book, The 2030-Something Garden Guide, A No-Fuss, Down-and-Dirty, Gardening 101 for Anyone Who Wants to Grow Stuff. Is that a mouthful or what? It is. And my books included Potting and Prune, Homegrown and Handpicked, and Seeded and Sodded, my trilogy of gardening humor. You can ask for any of our books at any bookstores, and we appreciate you going to independent bookstores or you can find them online wherever books are sold. Speaking of online, you can also find us at The Garden Angelists on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. And we'd love for you to join our Facebook group, The Garden Angelists Garden Club. Yes, we would. And we would also like to talk about last week's intro, wouldn't we, Dee? Yes, I have a big apology for everyone. I don't know what happened, but I had an echo, and we couldn't tell it was there until you went to publish. And so we're going to hope that it's better now because I've done some different things. That's right. So let's get started with this week's episode. And if it's an echoey one, we'll just say that we're in Switzerland. Okay. Sounds good. Like Yodelehihu. Yodelehihu. Yes. (laughs) So I have a quote for us. Go for it. Anyone who thinks that gardening begins in the spring and ends in the fall is missing the best part of the whole year, for gardening begins in January with the dream. From our friend Josephine Noose. And interestingly, uh, it also begins with all the gardening catalogs that show up in any gardener's mailbox this time of year. Right. I told you that I bought Josephine's book, The Country Garden. Yes, you did. Because we had a quote from her last week, too, didn't we? We did. And I got it. It's from 1970. And I thought, my, this looks like such an old book. How can a book that was published when I have memories be that old? (laughs) Oh, we just had this conversation last night at my house. (sighs) I feel like, yeah, you know, the 60s didn't seem that long ago to me. But anyway, so the flower we're going to talk about this year is... The rose. Yes. Did I say this year? I meant this week. But, you know, we'll probably talk about roses again because I like roses. So let's talk about roses. Um, Let's talk about what's new for 2020. Right. Our friends at David Austin Roses sent us some information about some new fragrant English roses for U.S. and Canadian gardeners. And by their names alone, might I buy them? (laughs) So the first one is Emily Bronte. It's a two-tone that is in soft pink and shimmering apricot. And they say that it is fabulously fragrant with a plot twist. That's interesting. What's the plot twist, I wonder? I don't know. We'll have to, maybe you'll grow it and then we'll know. Yes, which reminds me that we we spoke to uh, representatives of David Austin Roses when we were in Salt Lake City last fall. And they had us smell different roses. And it is amazing the different scents that you get. It's almost like um, fine wines. There's a subtle differences that you can be trained to taste. 
Well, I yeah. think you can be. I think you can be trained to smell roses and pick up the a little bit of orange or maybe a little bit of cinnamon, apricot. Maybe that's the twist they're talking about. Maybe so. They often have a strawberry scent. There's there's a tea scent, of course, with tea roses. We kind of talked about that in our episode on roses last summer, and we can link to that so that we have it in our show notes. Um, and in my garden, I have grown so many roses over the years. At one point, I had a 100. And I can tell you that, yes, they all smell differently. And I used to walk with friends through the garden and I would pull off a bloom and have them smell it, smell the different types. Because most people think that roses just smell like the classic rose scent, but that's not really, not really. So I have a question for you, Dee. Uh-huh. What's that? So when they're tasting wines, don't they often spit the wine out and then put something in their mouth to cleanse their palate before they taste the next wine? Yes, just like perfume, people that smell perfumes smell coffee beans between smelling different perfumes. That's what I was going to ask you. I did not know that. So in one hand, you have a jar of coffee beans. In the other hand, you have your friend leading them through the garden. Rose, coffee bean. Rose, coffee bean. Rose, coffee (laughs) bean. That's a little (laughs) nauseating to even think about, but Okay. Um, no, this is all very casual when we walk through the garden. And I don't have as many roses now. I probably only have 20. And so I don't have as many different scents. But I do have a lot of David Austin's. And the next rose that is new this year is called Tottering by Gently. And it's a yellow single flower with a wildflower look. Because they've done, that's Austin's first yellow single. Which, because, you know, they started out doing big cabbagey roses, and now right. they've moved on in other areas, partly because of disease resistance. Um, and then the last one is called the Mill on the Floss, which is a deeply cupped flower in lilac pink with distinctive red picotee edging. I want to see that one. That one sounds really pretty. But if you live in Oklahoma, we have a lot of trouble with rose diseases. So... Some of that we, we both know Michael Marriott, who works with David Austin Roses, and I always ask him for a list of his favorites um, that are for my climate because, you know, some, it's England, so some things don't do as well here. So before I buy these, I would definitely go look and see about disease resistance. And I have a feeling that tottering by gently is probably disease resistant because it's more like a wildflower. But I haven't, I haven't had a chance to go and look at all the pictures yet. So I'm going to go and look, and then I'll put them on our Instagram because they like for us to share pictures. We'll entice people. We will entice people. And so these are David Austin branded roses in Indiana Mm -hmm. and probably most of the Midwest. You're going to see them probably when they are growing in the spring. And that's probably the time you're going to end up buying them. They're not going to be sold dormant here. Okay, so you can order them dormant here. Um, you can order them out of Texas because that's the closest grow station that's you know near Oklahoma. But you can also, a lot of the nurseries, and I'm trying to think of which ones in particular, but I know TLC carries them every year and they often carry the newer selections. And then um, there's a nursery down in Norman that carries a bunch of David Austin's. And you can always tell David Austin's at some nurseries, up in Tulsa, it's true too, because they're in these big green square pots and they have gold on the outside. Now, I think I think TLC sells theirs in regular nursery pots, but 
Anyway, you can buy them here locally. You can order them through their website. Um, we'll put a link to their U.S. website, and you can order them there, too. I often order mine bare root. Yeah, and that that would work. That would work. And they would presumably ship them at the correct time for you to plant them bare root. They do. They do. And if you do ship them, if you do order them bare root, I would soak them in some water to the roots when they get here. Um, make sure the water is below that, you know, below the stem because they'll be a grafted rose. So make sure it's below the graft. And I usually soak them for about um, 12 to 24 hours. And sometimes I soak them in manure tea. I don't know. I mean, I think it kind of helps them a little bit. And so I like to use Annie Haven's manure tea when I do that because I don't have anything with manure on my property anymore. I used to have chickens, but they have moved on. Well, here in the suburbs, obviously, I don't have any manure. There is a horse farm at the end of the road. I suppose if I went and politely knocked on the door, they might give me a whole bunch. But oh, if, you have, hear- if you have a shovel, they will definitely give you a whole bunch because horses make plenty of manure. Well, there's a daylily and hosta nursery not far from here, Soul's Garden. And I think they have cornered the market on getting all the horse manure from that farm. And I don't think there will be any left for me. Oh, well. That's the way it goes. You can also, you know, use um, compost tea. There's a lot of things you can do. And you don't have to. I just like to give them a little boost. I will say this. When I ordered some last spring, I had several. I think I planted eight bushes last spring. So when I did that, they came, and you could tell that they had just taken them straight out of the earth, and they were still damp. So those, I didn't. they weren't dried out at all. I just plunked those in the ground as soon as possible. Well, these descriptions are kind of enticing me to try to grow some roses. As you know, I'm not I'm not big on growing roses, but I think I might try some of these because I like the sounds of them, especially tottering oh. by gently. And if you were looking at the pictures like I'm looking right now, uh, yeah, tottering by gently is beautiful. It looks a little bit like the old mermaid rose, but a better growth habit because mermaid will try to take over your life and your garden, both. And then I am really attracted to uh, mill on the floss. Is that what it's called? Mill on the floss? Yes. I'm really attracted yes. to that one. I'm looking at a high-res Im- high image. Oh, my. Yeah, that might be the one I buy, but I got I to gotta check that disease resistance first. Okay. Well, we'll definitely put some of these on our social media, on Instagram, Facebook, wherever. Share some of the love. <laughs> Share some of the enabling, because that's what we're good at. So are we going to move on to veggies now? We are going to move on to veggies. I have another quote. Of course you do. Would you like to read it? No, you go ahead. It is no bad thing to celebrate a simple life. J.R.R. Tolkien. Yes, one of our favorite authors. And yes, he was into a simple life. Um, I try to live a simple life, but sometimes my life gets complicated. And I think that simple life is very much personified in a vegetable garden. I do too. And so let's try to make it simpler for our listeners because I think I, I actually did a podcast this morning for KOMA Radio, and I, I don't know when they're going to publish it, but soon, I'm sure. And one of the things we talked about were vegetable gardens and how vegetable gardening, people usually start gardening in vegetable gardening or houseplants. And it's not the easiest place to start in some ways because you have to really keep up with it, right? Right. 
Right, you do. Some people don't. I always tell the story about my cousin who, she lives out in the country, and and uh, mostly she has miniature cattle that she raises. I, I guess I could drive down there to get some of her manure. She'd give it to me. But she always talked about they would just carve out a little plot on the edge of the farmer's field. She says we'd plant the vegetables in the late spring after frost, and then she said after the 4th of July, we wander out to that weed patch to see what there is to harvest so they don't do any right. weeding at all. So it, mm-hmm. We call that a truck farm here. Yeah, that doesn't fly very well in the suburbs. Well, even out where I live, if you let it go too much, you aren't going to get the kind of yield you want, first of all. Um, and that's the whole point of a vegetable garden is to eat the vegetables. But also, I think... I don't. I like a pretty vegetable garden, so I think vegetable gardens can be really beautiful. They can, and so one of the things that's confusing to people is what should I buy as a plant, and what should I grow from seed? And are we when we talk about seeds? Because I told people we were going to talk about seeds today. When we talk about seeds, are do you want to start talking about what we should direct sow first, or what we should start indoors? Because that's another whole. So to make vegetable gardening simple, what I tell people is don't worry about sowing anything indoors to plant outside later. You're going to go buy eggplant, peppers, um, tomatoes, tomatoes, obviously. Those are the things that you want to start inside ahead of time. But when it comes to okay. green beans or squash or corn, if you choose corn, those are peas. the kinds of things that peas, lettuce, radishes. Those are the things that you're going to sow directly in the garden. Right. Um, And our friends at Botanical Interests have put out, and I I actually shared it on our story today or yesterday, and it was these planting sheets which had timelines, and I thought they were really good. The Oklahoma State um, OSU Extension Service also has timelines, and the reason I'm bringing that up is there's a cold season garden and a warm season garden when you're talking about vegetable gardening. And cold season items like radishes, um, peas, help me out here, lettuce, spinach. Kale. Um, kale, arugula, all the leafy greens pretty much. Um, that all needs to be done as a cold season item. And Oklahoma might have a really long spring, we hope, or we might have one of those really short springs where we go directly from winter to summer. Um so here, you want to start those seeds outdoors at the end of February. And we'll remind you again when we get closer. But right now, it's time to order those seeds. And while you're ordering those seeds, you might as well go ahead and order the seeds for your warm season vegetable garden, because then you right. only pay one shipping price. Or go down to your local nursery and buy seeds off the rack. I've seen it done that way, too. Well, here in Indiana, uh, the traditional day for sowing peas is St. Patrick's Day. We've talked about that. And then Mm -hmm. I like to wait another week or two after that before I throw in radishes, spinach, lettuce, kale, arugula, all that. I I wait just another week or two for that. And the part of the reason that you do that is because peas take longer to, to come to fruition than those crops do. Radishes are your fastest thing. Lettuce is pretty fast. Spinach here is iffy. Um, sometimes it does better in the fall than it does in the spring. Um, and the same is true with kale. 
Sometimes kale does better when planted in the fall than spring. But, you know, it's a packet of seeds. If you want to grow kale, just grow it. So I'm about three weeks ahead of you is pretty much about, right. right? I, would say, I would say about three weeks. But I also say if you really want to simplify vegetable gardening, and I'm saying simple, 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 I would go out on your first frost-free date, and then I would plant tomatoes, peppers, squash, green beans, and pretty much call that a good starter garden for somebody. Don't worry about the stuff that you sow in the cold. Don't worry about fall. Just go out there that one day and get a taste for it by planting those things all at once. Right. And if you're brand new to gardening and you've never done it before, um, try containers. Containers are pretty good, especially like smart pots work really well or large containers. You'll need about a five-gallon container for a tomato plant, a little smaller for a pepper. Um, and so that's another idea too. So if you're an urban gardener and you want to try your hand at vegetable gardening, start with four or five containers. And I would do a cherry tomato if I were going into uh, containers because you'll get more yield and you won't have to wait so long for your for your fruit from your tomato. And we also should point out that we have a whole podcast that we should link to on vegetable gardening, on doing a simple summer vegetable garden, which has a lot of Carol's tips in it. Right. And I was also going to mention, Dee, that Smart Pots is the brand of fabric pots that we use. And um, they're very heavy fabric and they stand up well. And uh, they're easy to store. You can dump the soil out in the winter and then store them if you want. But it's a fabric yeah. pot, and it gives more, uh, allows the roots to breathe a little bit more, if that makes sense. And so mm-hmm. those are very nice to grow vegetables in. But if you don't want to invest in smart pots, which, by the way, are made in Oklahoma, if you don't want to invest in smart pots um, and you're just starting out, five-gallon buckets, as long as you remember to drill drainage holes in them, work just fine for tomatoes. I see lots of people growing them in big old five-gallon buckets. It's not right. very pretty, though. No. And remember, we like our gardens to be pretty. Right. So I don't use five-gallon buckets to plant my plants in. I, I have, I've decided something, since we're talking about seeds anyway, and we'll probably talk about tomatoes again. So I have rotated. First of all, I've decided I want to put all flowers in my cutting garden in those long beds. So that's going to be all flowers this year and no tomatoes because I just, I just feel like doing that. And I also decided that I, I grew 25 tomato plants last year, which was a blast. And I had lots and lots of tomatoes, but, um, I'm running out of places to rotate my crops of tomatoes because I grew so many. So I'm going to grow mine in spark pots this year, all down the edge of the potager. Yeah. Very nice. And I'm going to put, I'm going to put drip irrigation on them. I'm going to get one of those drip kits. And I think they sell them at Lowe's still. And I'm going to use my drip kit and attach it to my regular watering system. And that's what I'm going to do. And I'm probably going to go buy my tomato plants from uh, Lisa Merrill, who's the tomato man's daughter up in Tulsa, because I was really pleased with some of the tomatoes I got from her last year. I just, I had a really good tomato year and it was a lot of fun. I will also buy some from my Oklahoma City nurseries that are the not heirloom type because Lisa does more heirlooms. So I'll do more hybrids here because I like to do a mix because, Mm -hmm. you know, a mix of tomatoes is good, heirlooms and hybrids, um, because we have a lot of tomato blights and we have a lot of tomato problems. And so, you know, if your heirlooms succumb to those, and they might, then 
you can try these others, and they usually will come through. And I'm only doing one cherry tomato plant this year. I had five last year, and I was awash in cherry tomatoes. Oh, I'll have more than five, but I will buy most of mine from the little greenhouse around the corner, Courtyard and Greenhouse. And then there's a farmer's market down in Greenwood that I'm going to go to. And there was a guy there last year called the Tomato Man, and he had a ton of heirloom varieties. And so I'm going to hit him up end of April, beginning of May. I'm going to hope that he's there, and I'm going to hope that he started a bunch more tomatoes. It was kind of a hobby for him. Does he grow them locally here and then save his own seed? I think I bet so. he does. I think yeah, so. I know. Le- I know Lisa does that, and so she actually the tomatoes get better and better. And they're really good about giving you a list of her picks for the year. And I grew some last year that I just thought were stupendous, especially that 1884 pink ox heart. If you can find that tomato, Carol, it is delicious and beautiful. It is on my list. One last thing about seeds before we move on to our dirt. Okay. I got an email from my older sister, who is a fairly experienced gardener. And she shows me a picture of a seed catalog and there are literally post-it notes sticking out on every page and she said that she and her daughter who has the five-year-old who loves to garden have picked out about 70 different types of seeds for (laughs) god knows what and so they need me to come and go through the catalog with them and tell them if they made good choices or if there are better choices from what they chose. So they need a seed whisperer like me to come down. So I'm going to be the seed whisperer. Did you say to come, did you say to come down or calm down? Because I think they need to calm down. (laughs) (laughs) Seven. Well, I think they just need me to come down to their place or go over, literally. (laughs) To calm them down. To to point out (laughs) a more reasonable list of seeds, perhaps, that they should consider. Or, I so wish I could be there for that conversation. Or I'll Ooh. get really excited about them, and I'll go in with them, and we'll buy the packets, and we'll split them. It it could be interesting. Oh, my gosh. 70 different items is a lot. Well, <laughs> I think the five-year-old was involved in this somehow because he think? loves gardening. And I think, I think he you was need to tell about. <laughs> You need to tell about that precious little five-year-old and how much he loves gardening. Because it's really kind of excessive. I mean, it's not your typical little kid gardener, right? I mean, doesn't no, he draw he, pictures? and he, Well, he's quite the artist, and uh, but he loves gardening. And uh, we had a warm day uh, right, bef- right after Christmas, I think. And uh, his grandfather, my brother-in-law said, hey, I'm going to go out and rake some leaves. Does he want to come down? Because they live not far. Does he want to come down and help? And he said he came and helped him clean up in the garden a bunch of leaves and things for two hours and didn't even get bored. He loved it. Oh, my gosh, he's got your genes. That makes You know what? That just gives me hope for the future. Yes. It's so So exciting. anyway, speaking of going through seed catalogs and calming down a little bit, <laughs> Want to talk about our dirt? (laughs) Yeah, let's talk about our dirt. It's an acronym that you came up with called PLANTS, P-L-A-N-T-S, for Gardener Goal Setting. And it was a garden post that you did a while back, but I think it's really useful here. I did. So these are good gardening goals for for all of us, not just our listeners, for us too. So you think plants... When you're for your gardening goals and the P in plants, and we'll put the whole, we'll put a link to the post. The P in plants means 
pleasing to you. So whatever goal you have, make sure it's something that you really want to do. And so, for example, if you're ambivalent about putting in a backyard pond and just think you ought to put in a backyard pond because everybody else is, that is not a good goal. So make yeah, it pleasing wait, wait, to you. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Unless you have a husband who thinks you have to have a pond and then it becomes your pond anyway. But go ahead to L. So P does not stand for <laughs> pond. That was just an example. L stands for listed, which means write down your goal. And I used to hear from when I worked, the nurses would say, what gets written gets done. And that's true of most anything. If you write it down, it's sort of like another way to commit yourself to what you're going to do. On, I'm going to do this. So list it. That's the L. And then make it achievable. Because you, you want to stretch yourself a little bit, but you don't want to say that, you know, I'm going to make my backyard garden like Versailles. That's not <laughs> achievable. No, not by anybody except for King Louis the Fourteenth and his entire gigantic staff. And, of course, N stands for nature-friendly. So whatever goal you have, it should not involve uh, – it should be nature-friendly. You want to you be in harmony with nature with your goals. So you can't make water flow uphill, for example. Right, and you probably don't want to use pesticides if you can keep from it because, right. you know, it's hard on insects. And guess what likes to eat insects? Birds like to eat insects. So then it's hard on birds. And we know that birds and insects are sadly on the wane. So we got to take care of her, take care of the whole entire ecosystem. Right. And the T in plant stands for time bound. And everybody knows that a good goal has a beginning and an end. And so by having an end, you know when to celebrate the achievement of it. And it by, having good. A be- by having a beginning, you know kind of when you should get started. So when I was a young gardener, speaking of tea, which is time bound, I had four kids and I got to where I was really fast at weeding and planting and everything else because I might have 30 minutes at a stretch. So it made me become very efficient. And now I can spend as much time out there as I want to if I'm not busy, but um, I'm getting ready to be busy because I'm getting ready to have a grandchild, but you know, my, my kids are grown. So... I think you do need, like, you know, set a timer on your phone when you go out there within your pocket. And, okay, as long as you're out there, I think you should sit down once in a while and just enjoy the garden because we all work way too hard. Well, S stands not for sit down. That's, that's good for goals. S stands for be specific. So your goal shouldn't be, I would like to have a better garden. Your goal <laughs> might be, I'm going to grow better tomatoes in Smart pots with drip irrigation, like you are. Yeah, you might do that. Or you can say, I think this year I'm going to actually draw a plan of how I'm going to plant my cut flower garden because in the last few years I've just done it. But this year I'm going to sit down and actually draw the rows and do it the way I'm supposed to. And then give it a time and say, I'm going to get it done before I actually plant the garden. <laughs> right. But in fact, next week is when I am going to draw my plan for those three beds. It's a pretty simple plan, so it won't be hard, but this way I'll know where I'm putting the zinnias. There you go. So that's my way of having um, 
goal-specific to gardening by remembering the acronym PLANTS. I like it. I like it. You can tell that you worked in corporate America. I can. I, I did. I stole it straight from corporate America. Yeah. I used to work in corporate America, too, remember? And so, yes, I remember similar acronyms. Yeah, I won't even go into it. But anyway, that's pretty much <laughs> all we have this week, Dee. Great. I think this was great fun. It was great fun. And we thank everyone for listening to The Garden Angelus. If you like our podcast, please tell your friends about us. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, we'd love a review, uh, especially a five-star review. That helps us to get noticed by others. And you can also share our Instagram page with your friends on your story, and that really helps us too. Right. And be sure and check out our show notes for links for more information about today's topics, plus links to some of our own websites. It was lovely to chat with all of you over the Garden Gate today. Bye till next week. Bye.